The message you're about to hear has been made possible by the continued financial support of the friends and partners of Faith Hill. To find out more about how to become a partner, be sure to visit faithhill.tv. Amen. Praise God. Well, why don't you hold your Bible? Thank you, Jesus. Why don't you hold your Bible? Lift it up real high and shout, this is my Bible. I believe what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I am a believer and not a doubter. A doer, not just a hearer. Today, I'll learn from God's Word and my life will never be the same again because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Man, I wish I could uh, speak Zulu, that proficient. I've got the DVDs, though. I've got the DVDs. I'm doing the classes. I'll get there one of these days. eh? Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. So we've been talking about maximizing the grace of prosperity. And uh, what I want to start with is this. You know, when we say the word grace... We're talking about an infinite supply. We're talking about an, uh, an inexhaustible supply, if you will. It's a supply of God uh, that never ends. Amen? Uh, the grace of God is like a machine, an ATM machine, uh, that keeps churning out you know, uh, everything uh, that you need that pertains to life and godliness. The grace of God uh, in the area of finances is God's resources uh, at your disposal. The grace of God when it comes to finances is you and I having an access uh, to the bank of heaven. Amen? Uh, Where all our needs are met and we have uh, a supernatural supply uh, to be a blessing to others. That's what God wills. That's his express will uh, for every single one of his children. Uh, You know, the, the, the world don't necessarily understand tongues, neither do they have a respect for them. Uh, But what they can see is a life of fruit. Amen? And this is why God has made a provision for every single one of his children to have fruit. In fact, Jesus said uh, in Matthew 5, I believe, uh, he said, let your works and let your light shine so that all the man may see uh, what God is doing in your life. And with that, they will give your heavenly Father glory. Amen? Uh, uh, the unbelievers, man, they can't tell uh, the, the godly tongues from the devilish tongues, uh, but they know a good marriage when they see one. Amen. Yeah, praise God. They can't tell uh, 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 much about you know, spiritual gifts, uh, but they know a great car when they see one. Uh, they know someone who's prosperous when they see one. Amen. They know someone who's, uh, uh, the, the, when they see divine health, they can tell, oh, that person, when they see you live, uh, living your life in the, in the peace of God, that surpasses all understanding. They can tell that this person is not unfazed. They, they're not phased by what's going on out there. They, 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 they're walking with someone. There's something different about them. And this is why uh, prosperity is one of those areas that God is going to use to reach the world and 
and uh, God wants you to prosper. There are several views when it comes to prosperity. There are those in the church uh, that believe, you know, I should just get uh, uh, what's enough for me and my family, and uh, that's great, Lord. That's all I want. And they even, you know, write and sing songs about it, poems, you know, Lord, I just want enough just for me because, you know, I don't want all this extra. What am I going to do with it? God wants you to give enough for yourself and more than enough so that you can have extra to be a blessing. Amen? Because God uh, wants to reach the world. God is doing something. He's working on something, and he wants you and I uh, to be a part of what he is doing. Can I get an amen? Amen. And so let's go now to the beginning, to Genesis chapter number 2. Genesis chapter number 2, we're going to read from verse 1 to 2 in the King James Bible. Genesis chapter number 2 from verse 1 to 2. And this is what it says. It says, thus the heavens and the earth were finished. Someone say finished. Uh, what, what, just that word finished, what does that connote? Uh, that something is done, right? It means uh, something has ended. Uh, it means it's, it's complete. Uh, it means it's finished, right? So it says the heavens and the earth were finished. God had, you know, done what he needed to do in the work of creation. The heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God ended his work because it was finished. It was done, right? So God ended his work which he had made and he rested on the seventh day from all his work. Someone say all his work. Which he had made. So we see here in Genesis 2, uh, uh, from verse 1 to 2, that God rested and ended uh, all his work. So uh, uh, the, the perception is uh, God hasn't done anything ever since the day that he created uh, the earth. But let's go now to 2 Corinthians uh, chapter number 6. Uh, we're going to read from verse 1. 2 Corinthians chapter number 6. Uh, from verse 1, and this is what he says. He says, we then as workers, someone say workers. He says, we then as workers together with him, him being God, uh, beseech you also that you receive not the grace of God in vain. So you can receive the grace of God in vain if you don't take full advantage of what God has made available uh, or what's at your disposal. Amen? And But here, the beginning of this verse, he says, we then as workers together. So it means God is still working on something. Amen. Amen. So which is which? Genesis chapter number 2 verse 2, God is not working. 2 Corinthians chapter number 6 verse 1, God is co-workers with you. Which is which? Is God chilling out in heaven or is God working on something? And I want to submit to you brothers and sisters today that the Bible is talking about two different works. When God rested in Genesis chapter number 2, he rested from his work of creation. And in 2 Corinthians chapter number 6 verse 1, God is a co-laborer, a co-worker with us in the work of restoration. God is bringing back his family to himself. Amen? And so God is working on something, and that something he's working on is the preaching of the gospel so that he can be reconciled with his family again. And he's invited you and I as partners so that we can co-labor with him. For the simple reason that God has set up the system, the earth, to work, uh, uh, to function in the earth realm, you need a body. This is your earth suit. You know, just like if you go uh, to space, 
uh, to the moon. You're going to need a, a, a space suit. Here, for you to be able to do things and transact in the earth, you need an earth suit. And so, before you know, God can do anything, his eyes have to go through, uh, through the earth to and fro so that he can find someone to show himself strong through because even God needs someone with a body just like the devil. He's going to use someone with a body, but God needs you to be a co-laborer with him because he's working on something. Amen? And when you become a co-laborer with him, it's like going into a covenant of marriage with a billionaire. I thought the single people were going to like that one. If you go in uh, with with minus 100,000 rand, if you marry a billionaire, automatically you're now plus one billion. And so when you come into this relationship with God, where you become a partner or a co-laborer, automatically the entire bank of heaven is now open to you. That's why scripture says things like, he has already given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. He hasn't given us all things in jail, things, things. He has given us things that pertain to life and godliness. In other words, things that are consistent with a godly living in the context of the assignment that he has given you. Amen. Amen. And so when we partner, this principle of partnership, we saw it with the a widow at Zarephath, when she partnered with the men of God, what God was doing in the earth realm, she became a co-laborer, and heaven was now at her disposal. And scripture tells us that the jar of oil didn't run out for three and a half years. But before that happened, we know that uh, in the in the in the beginning of the story, God did to send the prophet to the, to the uh, a brook where he was fed by ravens. And we said last week that that is not God's perfect will. God's perfect will is not to partner with the animal kingdom because they have no much use for the bank of heaven. They have no much use for the anointing. Amen. He can do it. He will partner with ravens, but what, what's the raven going to do when, when he gets the anointing at his disposal? He can't do much. God's will is to upgrade that thing from the animal kingdom so he can partner with his children so that they can make use of the anointing, everything at their disposal, the gifts of the Spirit, all these things. When you co-labor with him, are now at your disposal so you can be a participant, watch this now, to the work that God is doing in the earth realm. Because God is up to something. Amen? Amen. And so people read stories like, you know, the story we read in the New Testament uh, where Jesus told his disciples to go into the uh, uh, sea and uh, fish and then they're going to find a a fish with a gold coin inside. They're going to take the coin and use that to pay their taxes. People praise God. Hallelujah. Man, when I read that, I I get discouraged. There was not a single person who could put their hand up to say, I want to partner with that one. The fish took the place of a partner. The fish took place, the the place of a co-laborer. Amen? Because God never wants to do anything. We are the co-laborers. We are the co-workers. But if no one puts up there, God will use a donkey to preach to the prophet. But that's not his his perfect will. His perfect will is to send a human being. Because he doesn't want the whole deal to be spooky. Can I get an amen? Amen. And so partnership is critical uh, when, if we're going to, man, it, I like to partner with God because I've seen God's hand 
uh, I mean, in, in more ways that I can share on, in a service uh, through partnership. When you, when you start to partner, connect with what God is doing. In the, God is doing something. Your heartbeat and God's heartbeat, when they are in unison, pertaining to what God is doing in the earth realm, man, you become, designer life, you become unstoppable. You want to become unstoppable? Start letting your heart beat at the same rhythm with what God is doing in the earth. Become a co-laborer and nobody can stop you. Hallelujah. And so this is why we're talking about finances. Because God is doing something. And he wants the wealth of the sinner that is laid up for the just to come into the right hands so that we can use it for the preaching of the gospel so that when Jesus returns, which is not too long from from now, you know, he's he's coming real soon. When Jesus returns, we'll have uh, uh, brought in a bigger harvest. Amen? And so we want to look at some wrong uh, concepts, if you will. I call this segment of the series Killing Sacred Cows. We want to kill some sacred cows, wrong concepts uh, that people have believed about money, about finances, and we want to kill those because those can be a spanner in the works that stop you from experiencing what God really wants you to experience when it comes to finances. God has a superfluous prosperity for his children. I believe, this is my belief, I believe when we get to heaven and scripture tells us that God will wipe tears off of our eyes, I believe uh, when we get to heaven, all of a sudden our eyes, you know, scales are going to fall off our eyes and all of a sudden we're going to realize what really was at our disposal and people, instead of celebrating that they came to heaven, people are going to start crying to say, Lord, you're telling me all of this was at my disposal and God will say, yeah, my child, (laughs) instead of celebrating, But if you listen to this teaching, we can set you free today. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. amen. I said amen. amen. Let's go now to Mark chapter number 10. Don't just go with tradition. Go with Bible. There's a difference between tradition and Bible. And sometimes, you know, the church, uh, we come up with all kinds of great things, great tools uh, that, that we use, and we fall in love with them so much that we upgrade them to become a scripture or Bible. I was saying in the first service, uh, you know, uh, we've received several calls from people. They mean well. They're just ignorant, uh, uh, you know, from people. And they say, hey, Pastor, I noticed Pastor T uh, didn't have an altar call today. And uh, I have a problem with that. And, uh, I, you know, when I do an altar call, it's because the Holy Spirit has led me to do an altar call. I, you know, I'm just not going to do it religiously every single Sunday. I listen to the Holy Spirit and hear him, you know, what he wants to do with the service, what he wants to do with the series, what he wants to do with the preaching, and so on and so forth. And so someone will say, man, praise God, he didn't do the altar call. There's a problem with that. And they don't even know what the altar call is. The altar call, the Apostle Paul never did an altar call. Jesus never did an altar call. The altar call was started by Charles Finney in the 1600s, 1700s. And the reason Charles Finney started the altar call was because he was recruiting people for the abolition movement. So he would go to uh, uh, predominantly white churches and then he would preach the gospel and recruit people to join the abolition movement, the movement uh, that wanted the abolition of slavery. That's how... Altar call started. Now, you thought it was Bible. No, it was Charles Finney. Hallelujah. Now, is it a great tool? Yes, it is a great tool, and we'll use it when necessary. But in the early church, they didn't consider you a Christian, you know, just because you, 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 you said you recited some prayer. 
They only considered you a Christian when you started walking the way. In fact, the Christians were called the people of the way. They would look at how much you've been walking on the way, and then they would say, you know what? They are Christians. In fact, one of the nicknames that they were given, which we use now uh, uh, as Christians, uh, was Little Christ, Christians. It was a nickname that they were given because they were so much like Christ in their, watch this now, in their lifestyle. That the people couldn't help but call them Little Christ and Little Christians. Amen. And so sometimes, we, you know, the Holy Spirit uh, gives us great tools and sometimes our own inventions, but don't fall in love with them that you upgrade them to Scripture or to law. They are not law. Can I get an amen? And so one of the things we see, uh, that's a sacred cow that we're going to kill uh, uh, right off the bat, is a sacred cow that says, uh, uh, Jesus said, the rich will never enter the kingdom of God. He said, bless God, Jesus said, the rich, it is like a camel trying to go through the eye of a needle. Let's go read it and see what it says. It would help if you read the scripture, right? Verse 17, uh, it says, and when he was gone forth into the way, there came one running and kneeled to him and asked him, good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, why callest me thou good? There is none good but one, that is God. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not kill. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Defraud not. Honor thy father and mother. And he answered and said unto him, Master, all these things have I observed from my youth. He was lying. And Jesus, you know, wanted to reveal this lie to him. And this is what he said. Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him and said unto him, One thing you lack. Go your way. Sell whatsoever you have and give to the poor. Thou shalt have treasure in heaven. And come and take up your cross and follow me. Verse 22. And he was sad at that saying and went away grieved for he had great possessions. or great possessions had him. Amen. And Jesus looked round about and said unto his disciples, How hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God. Did you read that? Jesus said, how hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God. And the word rich used in that context and in that text is the Greek word plusios. It's an adjective which is the same word used in 1 Timothy chapter number 6, verse 17. Let's go to 1 Timothy chapter number 6, verse 17. It's the same word, rich man, uh, 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 plus yours. Amen? I said amen. amen. 1 Timothy chapter number 6, uh, from verse 17. Now, this is the Apostle Paul uh, telling uh, Timothy, his son in the faith, uh, how to pastor the church at Ephesus. And this is what he says. He says, Charge them or command them who are rich in this world. Same word. Jesus said, how hardly it is for the rich to enter into the kingdom of heaven. You saw that? And here the apostle Paul is saying, command those who are rich to do something. I would imagine for consistency, the apostle Paul saying, command them to give up their riches. Otherwise, if they keep them, they're not going to enter into the kingdom of heaven because it's, a, it's impossible for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. He didn't say that. He said, command them not to be high-minded or to be proud. Because money is a sneaky way of changing your attitude if you are not mature. Amen? He says, command them not to be high-minded, 
nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who richly gives us all things to enjoy. So which is which? The rich man, don't be high-minded, but keep your riches. Or the rich man, boy, you keep that stuff, you're not going to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Which is which? Let's keep reading. Go back to exhibit A, Mark chapter number 10. In fact, 2 Corinthians 8-9 has been a foundation for uh, this series. It says, Jesus became poor so that we might become rich. Same root word. So if Jesus became poor so that we might become rich, as we get rich, he's setting us up to miss entering the kingdom of God. Is he? No, he couldn't. Right? So let's keep reading to get some context in consistency in Scripture. And Jesus, verse 23, uh, looked round about and said to his disciples, how, hard, how hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? And the disciples were astonished. Someone say they were astonished. astonished. Better known as surprised, right? They were surprised, astonished at his words. But Jesus answered again. What that means is Jesus then brought context. Jesus answered again and said unto them, Children, how hard is it for them that trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of God. And so Jesus, in Mark chapter number 10, uh, verse 25 and uh, verse 26 and verse 27 is consistent with 1 Timothy chapter number 6, verse 17. The issue is not the riches. The issue is the trust. So just like Jesus is saying, how hard it is for them that trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of heaven. The apostle Paul is giving a command to tell them not to be high-minded or put their trust in uncertain riches. Money wants you to trust it. Money places a demand on people for you to start putting. Money, all money wants to do to you, it's a spirit called mammon. It wants you to shift your trust from God to money and to resources. That's why, you know, people come to my office and I, I immediately know that they, they're trusting the wrong thing. They come to my office and they say, Pastor, if I could get a thousand rand, it will solve all my problems. <laughs> Your trust is in the wrong thing. And then some come and they say, Pastor, if I could only get a hundred thousand rand, it will solve all my problems. The trust is in the wrong thing. Now let's come closer to your neighborhood. Some come and say, Pastor, if I can just get one million rand. <laughs> now it's coming closer to home. Uh, it will solve all my problems. And some say, Pastor, if I can only get 10 million rand, it's going to solve all my problems. It shouldn't be that. It should be, Pastor, I got Jesus. He's my eternal hope of salvation. Therefore, all my problems are solved. Amen? You can move your trust from God to money, and it's a sneaky thing. It comes to you and says, Pastor, all I need is to just pay off the mortgage. Then I'm going to be all right. What you're saying is, once I pay off the mortgage, then I won't have to live by faith. And so when he says, tell them not to put their trust in riches, a lot of people say, Pastor, I'll never trust riches. Turn around and say, all I need is to pay off my mortgage, then I'll be all right. No, all I need is Jesus, then I'm all right. Hallelujah. And so Jesus and the Apostle Paul are both in the same 
neighborhood. They're talking about the same thing. How hard it is for them that put their trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of God. It's interesting that he didn't say to enter into the kingdom of heaven because he's not talking about heaven. He's talking about the kingdom of God, which is right here, right now. The kingdom of God is at hand, Jesus said, and the kingdom of God is let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let your will be done in my life as it is in heaven. And you can experience that life here on the earth when you dethrone mammon. Mammon is a great servant, but it's a terrible master. Pastor Dave, he came and he once taught on on money and and mammon. And I mean, he had such a graphic illustration. He took out a hundred rand, he put it on the podium and he knelt and he said, Mammon, can I please have a new car? What do you think that hundred rand told him? No, not enough. (laughs) Amen. But when you have God, God can get you things that money can't buy. Can I get an amen? amen? And so both the Apostle Paul and Jesus are talking about the same thing. If we're going to access this thing called, listen, you could be in church, but be outside of the kingdom. You could be in church, but miss out on operating on an economy called the kingdom economy. The economy of heaven. Right here, right now. Amen? amen. And the way to do it is to dethrone this thing called uh, a mammon and, and things and so on and so forth, man. We, our trust is not in stuff. Remember the gentleman in Luke chapter number 12? He was getting ready to reap a bumper harvest. And instead of, you know, giving the extra that was coming to him, he tore down the, the barns uh, that he had and he said, I'm going to build bigger barns and store up all my goods and, and, and address myself. So you have all these goods laid up for many days. Take your ease and rest. In other words, you don't need to put your trust in God any longer. And scripture tells us, unfortunately, that was the day he checked out and went, you know, to to heaven. (laughs) And then Jesus asked a question. He said, who will those things be? Our sins. Amen. I said, amen. And so they're talking about the same thing. That's what I wanted you to see. That is not talking about just having wealth, just having riches. If you still believe how hard it is for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God, you still believe that? Hey, listen. In fact, let me agree with you. I agree with you at the end of the service. I'm going to give you my phone number so you can send me all that stuff that's trying to get you to miss heaven. Amen. I said amen. And then this is what Jesus uh, uh, said, uh, verse 25. He said, uh, verse 24, and the disciples were astonished at his words. But Jesus answered and said unto him, children, how hard it is for them that trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man or a man who puts his trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of God. They were even astonished out of measure. Because they knew that it's difficult to navigate that arena where you don't trust uh, stuff. Amen? They were astonished out of measure, saying amongst themselves, who then can be saved? And Jesus, looking upon them, said, with man it is impossible. Man, you can't dethrone mammon in your own strength. You have to dethrone him with the God program. And the God program is to be submitted to the voice of the Holy Spirit. 
And when you are submitted to the voice of the Holy Spirit, man, you can dethrone mammon. You can dethrone uh, the need uh, to, to, to want to put your trust uh, in riches. Can I get an amen? And he says, but not with God, for with God all things are possible. When you go with God, man, you can dethrone that thing. You won't have to put your trust uh, in stuff. And uh, they were astonished. And then Peter began to say unto him, Lord, we have left all and we have followed you. And Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto you, there is no man that has left house. Now, is house material? You have to be a little bit rich to, to have a house, right? He says, No man has left a house, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, real estate. You have to have something going on for you to have some lands, right? He says, No one has opened his world up for, the, for my sake, Jesus' sake, and for the gospel's sake, but he shall receive, verse 30, but he shall receive a hundredfold now in this time. Question. Now, if you have given up house and you have given up lands and Jesus gives it back to you in this life a hundredfold, are you going to be poorer or richer? You're going to be richer. So now Jesus, it looks like in the same text, is setting you up to fail, Right? If you don't consider context. Because he's going to give me this stinking thing a hundred times over. No, the issue is trust. Can I get an amen? amen? And watch what he said. He said when you open up your world. You know, house. That's your world. Brethren, sisters, father, mother, wife, children or lands. For my sake and the gospels, you shall receive a hundredfold. Now in this time, houses, brethren, sisters, mothers, children. He Intentionally skipped wives. <laughs> Intentionally. He skipped what? Did you see that? If you're paying attention, you'd have seen that. Everything else was given back a hundredfold except wives. Because it's one wife for life. Can I get an amen? A stronger amen. One. You're not getting no hundredfold <laughs> wives. Amen? One wife. Amen? <laughs> everything else is multiplied except that. I don't want walking out. Pastor said everything. If I give up my wife, so pastor, I'm coming to the church office to give her up <laughs> for the gospel so I can get a hundred. That's not what he said. Amen? He says you'll receive the same hundredfold with persecutions. In other words, there's going to be some player haters. That's what persecutions mean. It just means, you know, some people are going to criticize you. Some people are going to, you know, say things about you. But it don't matter. And it says, in the world to come, eternal life. So that's, that puts uh, uh, to rest this issue about will the rich enter the kingdom of God? Will they experience the kingdom here in this life? Yes, they will. But if they put their trust in riches, they miss out on experiencing a glorious place of an infinite grace of God. Can I get an amen? Let's read the same verse uh, in, in, the, in the Amplified, if you will. Verse 23. Mark chapter number 10, verse 23 in the Amplified. It says, And Jesus... Uh, looked around and said to his disciples, how difficult it will be for those who are wealthy and cling to possessions and status as security to enter into the kingdom of God. That's the context. Did you hear that? Did y'all hear that? The disciples were amazed and bewildered by his words, but Jesus said to them again, children, how difficult it is for those who place their hope 
and confidence in... Listen, our hope and confidence should be in Jesus. Psalm 20 verse 7, it says, Some put their trust in horses and chariots for the battle, but I choose to put my trust in the name of the Lord. That's what David said. He said, while some boast on how uh, sophisticated their ammunition is and how big uh, their army is, while they put their trust in that, I choose to put my trust in the name of the Lord. Why? Because the name of the Lord is a strong tower, and the righteous run into it and they're safe. Amen? Our confidence and hope is in Jesus. Not in uh, uh, man-made solutions. Not in wealth. When God gives us wealth, praise God. We're going to use that for, as a tool to bless people around us. We're going to use that as a tool to be a blessing to others. One thing we're not going to do is move our trust from God to stuff. Because when you do that, you stay outside the kingdom. You won't experience the will of God for your life. In fact, one of the trip-ups for, for marriages is when a couple uh, uh, start to put their trust in money as opposed to God. They say uh, money, you know, finances, is the number one reason why, uh, why people divorce, both in the church and in the world. And the, the reason is simply this. They've moved their trust from God to money. And here's what's interesting about it. It's money. It didn't say, you know, uh, uh, lots of money or little money. It's just money. Yep. Poor people divorce because of money, little money. Rich people divorce because of too much money. It's just money. Money is causing problems because it has taken the place that God should be in and it's causing problems for them. Go and Google it. Finances, the number one reason why people divorce. Because they haven't learned to put their trust in Jesus. Can I get an amen? amen? And so he says it's difficult. It's impossible for those who place their hope and confidence and riches to enter into the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man who places his faith in wealth or status to enter into the kingdom of God. And so God wants you and I to have stuff. You know, you can have wealth. Just don't put your trust uh, in it. The second sacred cow we're going to kill is this. You probably have heard uh, someone say, uh, money is the root of all evil. Money is the root of all evil. Bless God. You know, why are you talking? In fact, when you're doing a series like this, you actually stir up some stuff. Because some people who are mammon worshippers will be in service. Why you talk about money? Essentially what they're saying, why you talk about my God like that? <laughs> The pastor has a goal, the, the audacity, the unmitigated goal to talk about my God. Like, why are you talking? They don't realize that's essentially what they're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Hallelujah. They, they get mad. They get mad. So money, is money really the root of all evil? No, it's not. <clears throat> Let's read what the verse says. First Timothy chapter number 6. Verse 10. Is money really the root of all evil? Let's read what it says. It says here, for the love of money. Did you read that? He didn't say money. He said, for the love of money is the root of all, not some, all evil. 
which some coveted after they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. So I want to submit to you, brothers and sisters, that the issue is not money. It's the love of money that is the root of all evil. Can I get an amen? amen. Money is neither good nor bad. Money is not immoral or moral. Money is amoral. What that means is money has neutral power. Money has got power, but it's neutral power. The only power is released when you grab a hold of it is the power of the personality of the person who's holding that money. So if I give someone a thousand rand, that thousand rand is neither good nor bad. It becomes good or bad on the basis of the beholder. Can I get an amen? If they take the thousand rand and go pay someone else to go beat up someone else, immediately that money becomes uh, uh, immoral. If they take that and use it to be a blessing uh, to somebody else, then that money becomes a blessing. So money in and of itself is neither good nor bad. It's just a tool. It, it's how you do and what you do with it that determines whether it's good or bad. And so the Apostle Paul here says, for the love of money, when we start to love money, when we start to uh, have a desire for things, he's, he actually explains it. He says, which some have coveted after. The word to covet means uh, to yearn, to possess uh, something, especially something belonging to another. When, you know, you're one of those who just yearn to possess things that belong to other people. You know, one of those that, 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 that go through magazines just think, ooh, all these things, oh, hallelujah, man. And things drive you that way, man. It, it can cause you to pierce yourselves with sorrow. The opposite of that is the blessing. The blessing of the Lord, it makes rich and it adds no sorrow with it. Why? Because it knows the place that money holds in people's lives. And, 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 and I might add, First uh, Peter Timothy 6, 10 here, I used to think it's a verse for the rich. I used to think, man, it's only, man, you only have to have some for you to fall in love with it. And then I, I had a rude awakening when I found out that sometimes the poor people love money more than the rich people. Because they're dreaming about it. They're, they're thinking about it. They're meditating about it. In fact, sometimes the, the love of money is expressed in this way. If you're ready to do whatever you can just to get the dollar. The love of money, uh, I mean, it will get you to act in all kinds of ways. It will get you to covet. It will get you to uh, uh, be, be, be jealous about, you know, other people's stuff. In fact, it will stop you. The spirit of coveting will stop you from celebrating others. And then you know money, you know, the love of money has got you. If you can't really, someone will come to church with a brand new car, praise God, and say, hey, come and see the brand new car that the Lord has blessed me with. And you won't be, if you're a coveting person, you won't even be able to celebrate with them. Man, I think it's a nice car, but I think it chows fuel. You always throw something. You always throw in something. You can't celebrate others' success. Amen. And here's the dangerous, you know, uh, 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 thing that m the love of money does uh, for many is that the, it, it, it drives them to want success at whatever cost. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, people will gossip, people will lie on others at work just to get ahead in the line for promotion. That's mammon. That's, that's the love of money. And that thing will pierce you uh, with sorrow. And God doesn't want us to live that way. God wants you to have a ton load of money. He wants you to be wealthy. He wants you to be prosperous, but he wants you to use that money as a tool and not turn it into a God. Can I get an amen? So we need to learn how to be content. And how do we do that? Uh, Philippians chapter number 4 from verse 11 to 13. Philippians chapter number 4 from verse 11 to 13. This is the Apostle Paul writing to the church at Philippi. And he says, Not that I speak in regard of need, for I have learned in whatever state I am in to be content. I know how to be abased. I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. Verse 13, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. So the context of that verse, I know we quote it uh, talking about riding a bicycle. Hey, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, so I'm going to learn how to ride this bicycle. But the context of what the Apostle Paul is talking about is I can do all things, I can be content through Christ who strengthens me. Contentment is a godly character. And one of the things you need if you're going to be successful, if you're going to maximize on the grace of prosperity, it is to learn how to be content. You remember the story of Esau and Jacob in the Old Testament? Jacob, Esau, didn't know how to be content. He had uh, what is known as immediate gratification. It's the spirit of immediate gratification. I want it, and I want it now. Sure. I mean, both of them, Esau and Jacob, were sons of one of the most wealthiest people in the Bible, Isaac. And a lot of people think that he traded the blessing for a bowl of soup because they were only going to eat after seven days. No, he traded the blessing for a bowl of soup because he couldn't wait one hour to get home and eat a, a, a well-prepared meal by uh, the butlers that worked for his father. A buffet. He couldn't, he couldn't wait an hour. And so he traded his blessing so that he could get this, this, this you know, bowl of soup. Some of you may be thinking, man, that's terrible. Why would you do that? But some of you can't wait to buy the shirt when you can afford it. And so you're going to go and open an account to buy something on credit. See, it's getting quiet in the Catholic Church. Yeah, I got you. It's getting quiet. Amen. So, so, so you're going you're gonna to spend on that. Do you realize that you know, credit card money is actually not real money? It's not your money? Yep. <laughs> it's money on loan? Oh, in fact, what it is, is, is they're loan shocking you. Yeah. 13%, some of them 17%. In fact, these days they even call you and they say, hey, we want to increase your limit on this loan shock deal that we have with you. And some of you, immediate gratification. Oh, praise the Lord. And you want to come over here and testify that the Lord is... No, that's not the Lord. Pastor, the Lord has been good to me. They increased my limit on my credit. No, that wasn't the Lord. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Man, is, getting, is it getting too real? I'm trying to help you. 
So you've got to learn how to be content. They'll take your car, you know, the one you drive right now and you're fully paid off, and they will put a different light on it and just kind of turn the light to make it a little different from the one. Same car, same engine, same everything. And then they'll say, man, we, we, we've uh, released 2022. They even put the year coming, 2022 uplift. And you will go and trade on a car that you have fully paid off so you can go into some more bondage. You need to learn. You can't maximize on the grace of prosperity living that way. See, they didn't teach us this at church. But I'm teaching it to you right now. Amen? They'll call you and say, hey, uh, your contract on your fully functional phone is expired. And you are now due for an upgrade. And you will stop everything that you are doing. So you can go and get into some more bondage. And then you turn around and say, hey, what they preach over at that church doesn't work. No, it works. You are not the one that's working it. You are the one that's trading the prosperity, grace of prosperity for a bowl of soup. It's called immediate gratification. And it starts with the little things that they conveniently position at the checkout, uh, uh, the teals, uh, as you, your wife sends you to buy fruit. She didn't say you must buy lunch bar. <laughs> she didn't say that, did she? She said, go buy fruit. But they carefully positioned the lunch bar, and they started talking to you as we were checking out. What about me? And the smarties and all the little nice goodies, they conveniently position them so they can work on you to start living carelessly. I mean, people with careless spending are marketers' dream. People who don't have a game plan that they're following, man, they're the people that marketers want. You are a dream person for the marketers because they can throw all kinds of things at you to trip you up. I'm not planning... Children do what feels right. Adults come up with a game plan and stick with it. What is that game plan called? It's called a budget. Yeah, just a few amens over there, over there, everybody else. Everybody. In fact, let's do this. Let me, let me write some stuff for you and the board as we teach you how to be content. We're going to wrap it up uh, this way. You know, uh, p- prosperity, write this down if you're writing notes. Prosperity and contentment are best friends. Some people don't experience the blessing because they don't know how to live within their means. Amen? So the problem is not the finances. The problem is the the person. And so if you don't continue to learn to grow in character, uh, you're going to be in trouble all the rest of the days of your life. The problem is our behavior. I remember a few years ago, I decided that I was going to, you know, uh, uh, change the, the... start time for the service, because at the time, I mean, it almost felt like everybody in the church would come late, and so we used to meet at 9 o'clock in the morning, and so people would show up at quarter past, some would show up at 35 past, 45 past, some at 10 to uh, 10, and then I I had a clever idea. I said, you know what? Uh, Let's just move our start time from 9 to 10, uh, and everybody will keep doing what they were doing, and then everybody is going to be 10 minutes early. They're going to be 25 minutes early. They're going to be 45 minutes early. And to my surprise, when we moved the time to 10 o'clock, 
everybody who was coming in at 35 past started coming in at 35 past 10. So the problem was not the time. I could have moved it to 2 o'clock. They still would have come at 35 past 2. So the problem was not the time. The problem was the person. So it is when you don't learn the things that we are talking about today, contentment, they could increase your salary to 2 million a month. You still make sure your expenses are 2.1. So the problem, the problem is not the money. Apparently, the problem is not, is not a lack of... If you, listen, we're talking about enjoying and maximizing on the grace of prosperity. It starts with contentment. Amen? I said amen. So the first thing you ought to do is you need a giving and sowing strategy. That's, that goes without saying. The second thing you need to do is you need to upgrade. You need not to upgrade everything once the contract expires. Why? Because you need a get out of debt strategy. Amen. The only thing, uh, uh, the only credit card I have, I only have one. They've been offering me 12, 13, 14, I only have one. And the only reason I have it is because I use it to rent cars when I travel. I had challenges many years ago. I used to do everything cash. I had challenges many years ago. I remember going to uh, 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 rent a car with a stack of cash. I went to the ATM and I withdrew. And I said, hey, I want to pay for this thing cash. They said, no, we don't take cash. What do we want credit card? Because that's the only way we're going to function uh, so we can take a deposit and be able to give it back to you and so on and so forth. And so on, the only reason I wouldn't have one if I didn't need to rent a car. So the only reason I have a, it's not even a, 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 people say credit got emergency fund. It's not an emergency fund. It's not your money. It ain't my money. Amen? Talking about contentment, right? And enjoying life to, 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 to the blessing uh, to the fullest measure. You need a get out of debt strategy. Yeah, just a few of you said amen. You need to get out of debt. If you're going to enjoy the blessing of the Lord, you need, don't keep stacking up. You don't need a, a clothes account. If you can't afford it, don't wear it. Someone else will give you some clothes. Trust me. Amen. And so sometimes we do it because we're trying to impress the, 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 the keeping up with the dubes. I was going to say the Joneses, but you're trying to keep up with the dubes next door. But the dubes aren't even paying attention. You have to learn how to be content. I remember uh, two years ago, three years ago, we got on television, TBN, and it was free of charge. Some of you remember. Uh, we got on television, and it was free of charge. And I started recording broadcasts, and they started airing them. And then a few months later, they uh, uh, you know, got someone in the system uh, that didn't like that I was you know, enjoying this privilege and this benefit. So they came, invited me for a meeting, and they called me, and they said, hey, uh, we're going to have to upgrade the contract from what it is right now and make you pay. And I, I said, hey, from the start, we had a deal. And the deal was, I'm not going to take money that's uh, for Faith Hill Church that's supposed to run the church and use it on television airtime. Uh, I said, if we get partners from the television airtime, whatever comes in from our partners, that's what we're going to use uh, to pay for television airtime. And as we stand right here, there hasn't been any partners, so I won't be able to uh, uh, do what you want me to do. I'm not going to get into debt about it. Uh, so this is 
is, this is my story and I'm sticking to it. And he said to me, uh, because of that, uh, that means we're going to stop and terminate your, your contract and stop you from uh, preaching the gospel on, on television. You can't stop me from preaching the gospel everywhere else, but, you, you know, on their channel. He said, hey, we're going to stop you. And I said, praise God. And I left the, the meeting and uh, I got a phone call from a brother who meant well. And they said, hey, how did the meeting go? I told him, I said, hey, it looks like we're not going to be on television. And uh, they said to me, man, that's strange. Why don't you, you know, come up with something so you can stay on? And, uh, you know, what are people going to think? What are people going to say if you get off television? If you know me, if you've known me any longer, you know that I, I, don't, I, I don't give a care. I was going to say something else, but I don't give a care. I don't give a care what, what, what the people think about me. Amen. I said, amen. Have you ever done that? Man, you, you, you flowing and you're trying to say something and the devil just throws a word that you shouldn't be saying in your head and you kind of have to avoid it. Have you ever done it's just that? Is it just me? Man, I may need someone to pray for me and cast this thing out of me. <laughs> and so I said, you know what? I'm not going to do it. And so we got kicked out. Walked out, walked into my car with my head hung low. We had a conversation with the Lord. I said, Lord, I thought you had told me that you called me to the television ministry. And the Lord said, I did. And I said, so what's up with this? And immediately someone called me, uh, who, you know, someone I have a relationship with and I respect. It's a prophetic voice in my life. I'm not just going to listen to anybody. It's, you know, it's got to be a prophet that I respect, that I know hears from the Lord. And he said, hey, Tavara, uh, uh, the Lord, I was in prayer this morning and the Lord just told me to tell you that he's proud of you. Praise God, that broke all that terrible mood, and I came back into the, yes, thank you, Jesus. So I did the right thing. Now, what did the Joneses think of me? They thought, well, he's not as anointed as he used to be. They thought, oh, well, he's not as powerful as he used to be. They thought, oh, man, I think he's out of the will of God. They thought, they thought all these things, but we're not living this life to try and keep up with the people out there. You've got to learn how to be content in the season that you're in and be faithful. And so we came off television one year. And I knew that if God wants me to be on television, he, he, listen, if you stick with God, he will buy that television channel and give it to you. Amen. Forget about the slot. He will give you the whole deal. And so I'm standing in faith and I'm believing that. And Tuesday, I was at my office, literally tears came down my eyes with another channel now. And now I was signing a new, similar to that one, I was signing a new contract. And we're going to be back in the game every Saturday at 10 p.m. right here on the continent in the uh, UK and also in the USA. We got a bigger and better deal by just learning how to be content. Man, you've got to learn how to be content. Amen? I want to preach to someone. You don't need a new car if the one you're driving functions well. Or oh, a few amens, just a few amens. Just a few amens. Because this is how you should be living your life, from what you earn. I learned this from Billy Earhart. You know, this is Billy, so I'm not going to try and take uh, credit for it. Let me put his name up here. I was talking to him uh, this week. And he said, Tavara, I'm proud of you. Congratulations. He said, you did the right thing. Don't get into debt. Believe God. Amen? Don't try to impress other people. Live your life. To, to, listen, what I'm about to show you is the potential to change your family tree, especially the branch that's got your name on it. You don't have to be like all the other people. 
but you can change the branch that's got your name on it. And so we always start with God. Amen? When you get 100%, you know, whatever you get from your business, someone pays you, whatever, you always start with God. God is our priority. And after you do God, the other 10, 10, you split it into two. The other 5%, you invest. In, 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 in our country, in South Africa, uh, in comparison to South Korea, uh, which is about uh, 65% of the uh, citizens own stocks. 65%. In our country, in South Africa, 0.1 own stocks. So we need to start learning how to invest. So 5% goes to investment. And you can find a professional for the first 5%. The second 5%, you invest yourself so you can learn how to be in the game. Instead of upgrading into a new iPhone, if you're really passionate about Apple, do you know how you get in the game with Apple? You buy Apple stock. If you're passionate about Apple, some of you are pastor, I can't help it. I'm just passionate about Apple. Or I'm passionate about Tesla. I'm passionate about all these things. Do you know how you get in the game for the things that you're passionate about? You get the stock. And so while you and I were busy on social media arguing on uh, uh, whether to get vaccinated or not to get vaccinated, someone else was buying a Pfizer stock. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen? Someone else was getting in the game and buying advisors. I was talking to Pastor Trevor. You know, some of you remember Pastor Trevor. He said, man, I'm getting this stock, but not just that stock. I also like the injections. I want to get in the injections stock. I said, why? He said, because everybody's going to need one. So you started going and finding companies that manufacture those things while you and I are on WhatsApp arguing. No, but, you know, I found this thing. That's saying doctor something was saying this, and then someone, ah, is getting in the game. And then after you do this, uh, uh, the other 80% is your living expenses. This is where you live from. This is where your rent comes from. This is where your, uh, 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 you know, your mortgage, this is where your, your life, you live your life with 80%. Now, if you live on, if, if, you're, ex- if, if you're living on 110% when you earn 100, we all know what's going to happen to that model. You're going to get into trouble. Yeah. Amen? If you don't get in the game this way and learn to invest and, and prepare and plan for your future, we know what's going to happen. When you retire, you're gonna be, your kids will be calling you black tax. Is that what they call it? And so you've got to, what's, what's, what's the future going to look like? And then when this has worked, you've been in the game a year and you're doing this, this goes to 70. And by the way, your offerings come from your living expenses. This is where it comes from. And you're believing God to increase uh, uh, your income and so on and so forth. So all your giving comes from your living expenses. This has to happen every month. Now here's what I'm not going to do. I'm not going to tell you uh, uh, which stock to buy or what to invest in. That's the job of the Holy Spirit. Anybody got the Holy Spirit on the inside of them? That's the job of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says He will show you things to come. Yeah. 
And so don't come to me after service and say, Pastor, which one should I be buying? You ask the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. And so, you know, as you go forward, you increase this to 70, and this goes to 10. As you start to enjoy it and you get comfortable, this may even go to 60. And then this goes to 20. And then as you start to enjoy it even more, this will go to 25. And then this 25. And at this point, you may as well fire this dude and start doing all 50 by yourself because you have learned the ropes of the game. Amen? So you always have to ask yourself, do I have to spend everything that comes in? Man, some people will have change, but they will work hard to try and spend the change. Hey, is there a sale? Let's go to the mall because I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do with this. This, this, this. You know, in December, this, this goes up. For some, for some, it's in April. This goes up, right? It goes up. You get, a, you get your bonuses. I mean, people, hey, I need to go somewhere. Do they have a sale online? Superbalist. Let me, oh, I got this voucher. Honey, I got this. We have to use it. Who said you have to use it? Yeah. <laughs> Man, I'm telling you, as the church, we could be living our lives in the blessing of the Lord and enjoying prosperity only if we learned how to live within our means. Did that bless you? Why don't you stand on your feet? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Man, you do this for 10 years, you're going to be coming with some real testimonies. Amen? I said amen. I was listening to uh, Andrew Womack and Jamie. Uh, 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 I think it was Jamie's father gave them some stocks as, in, as an inheritance. And during this time, you are saying those stocks tripled in value. When scripture says a blessed man, a righteous man, leaves an inheritance of his, for his children's children, this is what he's talking about. Man, I'm telling you, it's a strong message, but it's going to set you free. Some of you need to get back home and sit down and come up with a get out of date, uh, a get out of debt, uh, a game plan. Go home and sit down and say, "Hey, what is our mortgage? Is this amount? What would happen if we paid an extra of this amount? How much? How many years can we uh, see? Adults, mature people, come up with a game plan and stick with it. Immature people do what." feels right. Children, do what feels right. We don't go with feeling when we are attacking this, this thing. Because the enemy wants to keep the church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ bound. And this is one area that he has kept them bound for centuries. Kept the church bound. Yet Jesus has come to set them free. Because they haven't learned how to just come up with a game plan and stick with it. Amen credit card. Man, you call that pay, first of all paid off and you call that company and tell them, hey, listen, I don't need it anymore. And you know, some of them are sneaky. They're not going to completely shut it down on the day you call them. They're going to give you like seven days because they know you are a customer. <laughs> Am I lying? Some of them are going to say, are you really sure? Yeah, I'm sure. I'm going to live within my means. Edgar's, man, Pep, what are some of those stores? You don't need to get anything on debt. 
If you can't afford it, believe God. Someone will buy you the shoes. Trust me. Trust me. I've seen it in my own life. You just believe God. Someone will bring the shoes. Someone will bring the clothes. You won't be able to. Listen. Someone will buy those things for you. You don't need no Foshini, no Edgars. No, they're not doing you a favor. They're trying to keep you bound. So come up with the get out of debt plan and stick with it. Pay it off. Right? Is that a, game? Is, is, is that a good message for the church? Sit down, husband and wife. Uh, 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 come up with a budget. What's our, what's our 80%? What's our 80% that we should be spending? What's our uh, 10% that we should give to God? And as you do that, man, take communion. Believe God for increase. What's our 5% that we should invest? How are we going to invest this thing? What's your passion? How do we invest into uh, these you know, stocks? How do we get in the game? How do we, how do, we do this? If it's, if it's your own business, if it's you know, a future venture that you want to start, this is how you started. And 10 years down the stretch, man, you're going to be looking back saying, man, I'm enjoying the blessing of the Lord. Just tweak a few things. Can I pray for you? Father, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you. Lord, we thank you for every single one of your children under the sound of my voice. Lord, we just thank you for your grace, your infinite supply of prosperity. Lord, we just thank you that even as the Apostle Paul said uh, that when he grew up, when he became mature, he put away childish things. Lord, we thank you that we are stepping into maturity. Lord, I thank you that when it comes to handling our finances, we are stepping into maturity. We are stepping into the how to enjoy the, the, pros the prosperity of God. The wealth of the sinner which you have laid up for the just. Lord, I thank you that we will be the ones counted as the disciplined ones. The ones counted as the ones that are taking full advantage of what you have made available uh, for future generations to come. Lord, I thank you that we will not look at finances as a form of tool that we can use for our current pleasure, but a tool that we can use to invest in our children's children. Lord, I thank you that this morning we're putting a full stop to a family tree, to a, a second name of poverty, and we are putting a capital letters to a first name, to a second name of wealth, to a second name of wealth that is generational. That our children and our children's children will be able to do things. They'll be able to go to school. They'll be able to uh, 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 live in the blessing of the Lord because of our decisions today. I thank you, Lord, that we will not be like Esau, go for immediate gratification. But, Father, that we will stand in the blessing and go for the long-term will and plan of God for our lives. Lord, we thank you and we give you all of the praise. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. And someone said, Amen. Amen. Praise God. Well, we love you. God bless you. And remember these words from 2 Corinthians 5, verse 7. For we... Walk by faith and not by sight. We love you. God bless you. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening. To find out more about how you can become a partner, visit faithhill.tv today.